Brexit, 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 Brexit. Do you remember when it all appeared so simple? Just a few weeks ago, Mrs May, that's before the general election, was still delivering the mantra, Brexit means Brexit. That was before the general election, of course. Now it doesn't appear so simple. Brexit gets softer. And softer. And. And why? The reason is because reality awakens. The truth is understood. Brexit isn't good. It isn't good for the economy, for jobs, for health and social care, for research, for fighting climate change. And so the negotiations now turn on how to ameliorate the harm it will do. To get the best possible deal. Not the best deal. Because, of course, the best deal would be not to leave the European Union. It's the unspoken truth about Brexit. When the harmful effects were outlined in the European Union referendum, they were dismissed as scare tactics. But they are real. The government will try to negotiate some sort of access to the single market. When the importance of the single market was pointed out during the EU referendum, they said, oh, Britain would be able to get along perfectly well without being a member of the single market. We could trade with the rest of the world. We would be free. This word free is always invoked. It covers a multitude of sins. It's like jumping off a sinking ship without a lifeboat and then finding that actually it's too difficult to swim ashore. So they will negotiate access to the single market, some sort of access, but it will come at a cost. And we will wonder about whether it was really worth it. And the question will be asked repeatedly when the terms are known, why leave? Mrs May, during the general election, if you remember, repeatedly said, no deal is better than a bad deal. The truth is that no deal is a bad deal. It is the worst of all bad deals, because to leave without a deal would mean that we would have to cope with very large tariffs to goods coming into the country and we would have tariffs imposed on us by other countries. We would have to negotiate the terms of trade with other countries with whom we now trade freely through the European Union. All I heard during the EU referendum was this slogan, Take Back Control. I heard it repeatedly. It was a good slogan. It, it worked. When you ask people, why did you vote to leave? They talked about taking back control. I often wondered about this. We didn't seem to lack control when we went to war in Iraq. Our parliament was sovereign. The European Union had no say in the matter. There's no lack of sovereignty when it comes to 
making cuts in funding for vital services such as the health service and social care, cuts to local authorities so that they can't any longer afford to properly repair our roads. That isn't due to the European Union. That is the sovereign decision taken by the British government. There's no loss of sovereignty there. Of course, there's a mountain of regulations. But that mountain of regulations won't disappear. If we negotiate trade with other countries, it will simply replace those regulations that exist for trade with the European Union. Regulations are there to ensure that there's some kind of fairness in the deal for trade. So whatever deal we do when we negotiate to stay or have some kind of relationship with the European single market, we will have to accept some kind of regulation. Of course, we might be able to renegotiate some of those regulations, but they're not going to be markedly different from the regulations that exist already. It's obvious why not, because the whole idea in the European Union is that those regulations apply fairly equally across the board, so that no one country can have a specific advantage in a market, that all have an opportunity within that market. So whatever happens in the negotiations, the European Union side is not going to give us terms that are better than we get by being a member of the European Union. They're not going to do that. Why not? Because you don't have that work like that. It can't work like that. Every other country in the European Union, if they saw that we got a better deal because we came out of the European Union, they would all rush for the door. It's an impossible scenario. It isn't going to happen. And so if we want access to the single market, we are going to have to pay for it. And let's look at the consequences of leaving the European Union. Those consequences are almost immediate because they're affecting the staff shortages in our health service, for example. Our health service is struggling with a staff shortage. It would be made much worse by our leaving the European Union without making proper arrangements to recruit staff from the European Union. Now, belatedly, the government seems to have woken up to this problem. The negotiations have started and they're now trying to get a deal for those residents, EU residents in the United Kingdom, working in the United Kingdom. But before that, those EU citizens working in the United Kingdom were being used as bargaining chips. We were told. There was no secret about it. They weren't going to tell us what the deal would be because they are a bargaining chip. It was a bargaining chip, but now a more sensible, if not complete, approach is being adopted. It's too little, and in many senses it's too late, that would allow those EU citizens working in Britain, living in Britain, will be able to apply for some kind of status to remain here. What on earth is it all about? What on earth is it all about? They rejected the reports that came out before and during the EU referendum, the estimates of loss of GDP, the impact on the economy, estimates of the loss of GDP of nearly 
10% in some models. That model by the Treasury, by the Centre for Economic Performance at LSE and various other bodies, the IMF and the OECD, all showed major impact in the short and medium term of Britain leaving the European Union, of leaving the single market. Hardened Brexiteers pointed to disagreement in economic forecasts as reasons for ignoring them. It's a bit like ignoring all the weather forecasts on the basis that they don't always get it right. It might rain, then again it might not. Uncertainty of forecasting is no excuse for ignoring it. It's like the weather forecast telling you there's going to be a thunderstorm. You look out of the window and you see there's not raining, but you see the clouds in the sky. But you say, ah, they've been wrong before, let's ignore it. It's just scare tactics. There were warnings. Warnings from the International Monetary Fund, from the OECD, but they were dismissed. Well, they would say that, wouldn't they? Would they? Would they say that? Why? Well, you say, because they want us to remain in the EU. Why? Because our leaving the EU would be economically disastrous. That's why. A Majesty's Treasury, the, 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 the government uh, forecast, was an, of a negative impact between, at worst, minus 7.5 percentage points of the GDP, and at best, minus 3.8. Rubbish, the Brexiteers cried. The Centre for Economic Performance forecast negative impact of 9.5 to 6.3 percent of GDP. Rubbish, the Brexiteers cried. The National Institute for Economic and Social Research had negative impact of minus 9.2 to minus 2.5. Rubbish, cried the Brexiteers. It'll be all right on the night. Don't worry, they said. This is just scare tactics. It became a mantra to dismiss such forecasts. Brexit would be good for the economy. The trick was then to make it almost unpatriotic to suggest that Britain would struggle and could not stand on her own feet. Don't talk the country down, they said. Be proud to be British. Britain, we were told, is strong. We are up for it. And all this kind of macho bravado was used. Things can only get better. Ah, wouldn't it just? The realities of Brexit are, of course, nuanced. It isn't that all the arguments are in favour of membership of the European Union. It depends on what you're wanting out of it. But because the argument is nuanced, isn't itself sufficient to mitigate the damage that leaving the European Union would do? The simplistic, the people have voted approach is, I suspect, turning to a more realistic assessment of whether or what they voted for. When we asked the question after the European Union referendum result was known, and um, we asked what they voted for, and they simply said Brexit. And the politicians, with their guile, said Brexit means Brexit. But they were using this without knowing what on earth they meant by it. They could never tell anybody what it meant. They just simply said, well, we're not going to tell you that because we've got to negotiate. And uh, in order to negotiate, we're not going to reveal our hands to the other side. It's all laughable, really, because the other side know the weakness of our hand. If there are strengths, they know those strengths as well. 
but they couldn't reveal it to the British people. Why not? Because, because Brexit wasn't going to mean Brexit. Brexit was going to be some negotiated, cobbled together deal for which we would pay. And when the British people see it, they'll wonder what on earth it was all about. Brexit doesn't simply mean Brexit. To say people voted to leave and to ignore the consequences is frankly abrogating any kind of responsibility. And that, in large part, is what politicians have done. The people have spoken, they said. What kind of democracy, I wonder, is it, given that we've got a representative democracy, not a plebiscite democracy? We have a representative democracy. What kind of democracy is it, then, that means that almost half of British voters are to be ignored because there's a small majority who voted in a particular kind of way? What kind of a democracy is that? It's a democratic dictatorship when you start doing that. When you start saying that just a majority of one means that whoever is in that majority can dictate to the rest, begs questions about what kind of democracy it is. Well, I'll tell you what kind of democracy we've got. We've got a representative democracy, and it's time our representatives started speaking for people. It's time they had the courage to tell the truth as they see it, and not to pretend that Brexit means Brexit. Well, it could mean Brexit. It could mean that we come out with a hard Brexit. That would mean not being a member of the single market, not having access to the single market. They kind of used that as a macho bargaining tool. We're willing to walk away. And they said, well, if you're not willing to walk away, then you're not going to have a strong hand. Absolute nonsense. The European Union know that hand. It's like trying to pretend to the European Union that you've got all the aces but you're not going to tell them. <laughs> but they know you haven't got all the aces because they've got three of them. And so therefore, the only number of aces that you could possibly have is one. And in their deck, they've got three. Same with the kings. They've got three kings, so you could possibly only have one. And so it goes on. We mustn't reveal our hand. We haven't got a hand. We've got a wish. A wish isn't a hand. A wish that you've been dealt a decent hand isn't a strong hand. The reaction is a little bit like, you know, a spoilt child and who spills their milk and then, you know, doesn't get what they want and then they throw their um, bottle out of the pram and in a kind of a now, now look what you've made me do kind of kind of approach rather than sensibly saying to... Our friends in the European Union, our allies in the European Union. Look, we may have made a mistake. It's not that the British people made that mistake. It's we, as politicians, who have made the mistake. We put a silly question and got a silly answer. We got a silly answer because it's not an answer that we could properly understand. We don't know what it really represents in terms of the, what people want. And so, in trying to determine what it was that people want, they said they want controls over the border. That wasn't the question put. If it was the question put, then why on earth were people talking about there being more money for the National Health Service if we came out of the European Union? Well, we know where that got us. 
Who refers to that now? Who does Boris Johnson say, oh, yeah, fantastic, when we come out, we'll be able to put more money into the National Health Service. The reason why he doesn't say that is because actually there isn't going to be an awful lot of money around in order to put into anything. Because we will be having to find ways of ameliorating the damage to our economy that is inevitable. We'll have to find ways of replacing the massive amount of research funding that comes through the European Union, for example. So the idea that there's going to be some sort of bonanza of money because we're no longer paying in, therefore somehow there's going to be this <coughs> massive amount of money available to do what we wish with it. But that isn't how it worked. They lied over the amount of money, of course. We won't go into that again. They lied about the amount of money that we pay in each week to the European Union for our membership. They forgot to tell us about the amount of money that we get out as well. They forgot to tell us the contribution it makes to our GDP, to inward investment, to research funding, a whole variety of benefits of being in the European Union. Now, of course, that is in large part because the uh, referendum from the Remain side was appallingly badly handled. Did anybody in the European referendum make a positive case? No wonder people voted. No wonder people voted to leave the European Union. There weren't anybody out there. There wasn't anybody out there making the positive case. Did David Cameron, the Prime Minister, make a positive case? It was almost as if they were trying to say to the British people, look, you know, we know it's all bad, but we'd like you to stay. Well, why would they if you, say, if you don't give a positive reason for being a member of the European Union? There are a variety of positive reasons. It's been of an immense benefit to our economy. When you look back in history, before we were members of the European Union, we struggled. Balance of payments crises, sterling crises... We sort of lurched from one economic crisis to another. During our membership of the European Union, we've had, in many senses, the longest periods of sustained growth. And all that is being put at risk. Because Brexit means Brexit. Perhaps it's time to consider that Brexit doesn't mean Brexit. Perhaps it's time to consider that, look, we've made a dreadful mistake. I think this is why... The European Council President Donald Tusk, or Tusk has um, quoted the lyrics from John Lennon's song, Imagine, to suggest that the door remains open to the United Kingdom staying in the European Union. He says, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. The only thing that stands in the way of our remaining in the European Union is the lack of political courage to do so.